Welcome to Ten Bestest, where we sift through the noise so you don't have to. Each week, we share our ten favorite things of the moment. Anything goes. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Ten Bestest. I'm Brian Hart. I'm Karen McFarlane Holman. And here we go with another YouTube edition of our podcast here.、Yeah. So you can watch us on YouTube Monday through Friday. We break up the show. If you don't want to wait, you can listen to the entire podcast on Monday at 1 p.m. Listen to the whole thing. But whatever is best for you, we've kind of integrated multiple ways. So, all right, we flipped a coin, and you won, and I get to go. Yeah, first. you're so, first. Yeah, thank you for that. My first cool sheet is a good one. So, I talked about a couple episodes ago about the Joyless Project from a Pocket Collection, and Roman Mars, who does 99% Invisible, which is also a former cool sheet, talked about this movie fan cut, The Avengers Endgame: The Ultimate Audience Reactions by. The Candyman. <laughs> so I love it. it's a very long title, but、uh, essentially he、uh, has this video. It's over 38 minutes long, and it's a bootleg, so it's totally illegal. In fact, the the YouTube video is unlisted because、uh, it's been taken down a few times. But it has 7.2 million views, even though it's unlisted, and you kind of have to、uh, dig for it. But you can find it on our show notes, of course. So this shows、uh, this cut of the best parts of Avengers: Endgame in this audience,、uh, in a theater, and、uh, what just makes it so great is you know, with especially with COVID hit and we couldn't go to the theaters for, for so long. I kind of didn't realize how amazing that shared experience is of watching a movie with an audience, with people that are equally excited. And of course, Endgame, if you're a Marvel fan, was this pinnacle of ten years of work of these different Marvel movies all wrapped up into this one moment and this one movie. And it was bonkers. People were screaming and crying and yelling, and everybody was. And I'm kind of embarrassed, but I. Like watching this fan cut, I got kind of teary-eyed, and I think a lot of it had to do with just I missed this shared experience so much. And I've watched it now a couple times, and every time I get goosebumps, I kind of get choked up.、Uh, it just really. Proved to me how important watching movies in the big screen with other people, even if they're strangers, but especially your friends. So check out the movie fan cut, the Avengers Endgame, the ultimate audience reactions by the Candy Band. <laughs> oh, I would totally do that. I, I during the whole pandemic when theaters were closed, it didn't even occur to me that those things existed. That there、yeah. were. Wow! I just went and saw my first movie in a theater、mm. after 18 months. Yeah. But, so、um, how was I going back? Wasn't it kind of? It's like surreal. Yeah, it's surreal. And you,、mm-hmm. I did not. I've I've been a movie lover forever, but that I was like, whoa! The big screen experience, the theater、yes. experience is really special. Yeah. And it, it was、is. so good to be back. Oh yeah. 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 But this that you just experiencing that and that you felt emotional like yeah was awesome like it was it was, wild. It was real or as cl- as close to real as you could get yeah yeah and it was really cool and you know it's totally illegal like I said but Marvel actually has used I don't know if it's that exact person's fan cut but they've used parts of that the audience as kind of a, a you know a, a tease of like we can't wait to see you in the theater again、ah. and they showed a clip. 
wow. from one of these fan cuts where a big spoiler alert if you haven't seen Endgame it's too late it's been a few <laughs> years but when Captain America gets Thor's hammer and everybody <gasps> freaks and that moment is so great and Marvel yeah officially used it in their advertisement so wow I don't think he's getting in too much big of a trouble because they've actually used it so it's so cool to see yeah but excellent yeah it's a really cool moment for sure well thank you for sharing <laughs> you're that. very I welcome for that <laughs> I enjoyed that movie when I saw it in the theater yeah and then here's another experience yeah Cool. All right. Well, my first cool sheet. I'm going to be talking about a gadget. I haven't talked about a gadget in a while. And this is called the light phone. So it is clear that countless numbers of humans are addicted to their smartphones, our smartphones, my smartphone. I am addicted, especially because of the apps. So two people, Joe Hollier and Kaiwan Tang, recognized this obsession with smartphones back in 2014 when they were hired to create apps. And they both agreed while they were doing this that creating another app would just feed into these unhealthy behaviors. And instead, they banded together to create something else, this light phone. This creation, the first version of it, sold as a Kickstarter campaign in 2015, and it was simply just a mobile phone. Like if we go way back to the first ones, it was nothing more, nothing less, just to call people. However, they learned that while many of their customers agreed with their mission to help people break this addiction to smartphones, there are some helpful tools that are on phones that were missing from it. So the latest rendition, the Light Phone 2, is now available for pre-sale. And this version, like the original, allows users to call, of course, but also has text messaging and it has an alarm clock. It also has a simple audio player where you upload a playlist of music, meditations, audiobooks, whatever you want, ahead of time with intentionality. And they're also talking about integrating navigation, GPS, and possibly Spotify. At the time of this recording, they say it's going to ship out in October 2021, but you definitely will want to check out the status on their website, thelightphone.com, and find out when you could get it if you're interested. Or just go to that website and look more into it. My youngest son, he's 17, and is very excited to pre-order it and move away from his smartphone, which I think is amazing. So, the Light Phone 2. Ooh, that's really cool. Yes. So that's that's fun. Um, it seems like I, when I first thought of it, I think of the, like they make these senior phones where they've got big giant numbers and things oh, like that. Right. But I think yeah. they also do less. Like they do some things, but this is different. So this is just when you want to mm-hmm. still have a smartphone but not have everything that goes with it. Yep. All the so app, basically really like that. anything that sends you down a rabbit hole. Yeah. And yeah, so when you go to their website, they talk a lot about just living life and being Mm. in the present moment, not staring at a thing, at a device. And they have a really cool blog. So Uh, their blog, um, they talk about the currently the advertising that they're doing is reaching out to the CEO of Apple. And it's all letters to the CEO, like these short snippets. And it's 
it's very amusing. They're good writers, and <laughs> I think they're really good marketers and how they're doing it. Yeah. And I love their missions. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. I know that there's been some other people that have hacked their phone to do that, and like I think Tim Ferriss, mm -hmm. he, you know, he deleted, of course, like Facebook and Instagram and all of it, those yeah. social apps off his phone. He still uses them in a way that's more difficult, so he has to like dig through his laptop and get to them in a certain way. So again, it's very intentional. Yes. He's like, okay, this is when I'm going to do this one task. I'm only going to do it for a half hour when I'm at home, not mm -hmm. out and about. I'm supposed to be out and looking at nature, visiting with friends. So that, I guess that would be like another hack. You could find creative ways to do it yourself on yeah. your current cell phone, yeah. but it's hard. Like I do social media as a part-time job, so I can't just delete social apps. I can't do right. it. I do have to have that with me all the time. So I'm wondering about this too how that would work, but I love the idea and for well, other and, people. Yeah, exactly. And what my son said, because I, I brought up that. I'm like, just delete your apps and don't. And, yeah. and he said, nope, it's too tempting. I oh, have wow. to have this. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so there you go. Because, yeah, easy for me to say that, A, you should just do it, and, B, I can't do it, though, because <laughs> I have a job. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn it, I have to keep <laughs> But everybody else could easily do yeah, it. yeah. So, I, and the, the phones are pretty inexpensive, and mm. notice how I didn't say camera. So, my in anticipation of getting the light phone, my son bought a digital camera. I haven't seen one of those Whoa. in years, but the combined cost of those two are way less than my smartphone. Dang. So, that's pretty telling. Yeah. Yeah, smartphones are the newest iPhone. I like it, but it was the first time where I really had sticker shock, and I was like, man, I paid a lot of money for this thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's tough. This, this light phone <laughs> is an option. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. My next cool sheet is going to be a, another pocket collection. So I said this might be a kind of a mini series and sure enough, three episodes in a row. This one is DIY design hacks for a happier home. And uh, so I talked about the Joyless project. I talked about how to write almost everything. This is a new one. This is um, how, how to uh, have a happier home. Who doesn't want a happier home? Now, most of us have been living at home uh, even more in the last year and a half with the pandemic. Uh, that's not true for everybody, but for a lot of people, we've been kind of uh, inside more in our own home and stress levels have been up. Maintaining your mental health is becoming even more important than ever. Uh, it's just getting more awareness in general. And really, your home is super important part of that um, because your home, it's your home base. It's your retreat. It's your sanctuary. And it should be a place that gives you joy. And I didn't actually give this much thought until about five years ago. For me, it was this, I got this new fancy apartment. And it just I did have a lot of pride about where I lived. It was really nice and beautiful. And it's in downtown and I have a creek below me um, but and I pay a lot for it and sometimes I wonder about that but every time I come home I just instantly feel really good because I'm so proud of my home now you don't have to have a super expensive apartment or fancy you know pay a ton of rent you can do some steps by following these different series of articles and do it for a uh, little time and not that much money which is why I love this article so they include stressed out here 10 science backed design tips for bringing serenity to your home I love science so I was in pro tips to improve your uh, home lighting uh, without 
than an electrician, so DIY, again, also probably a little bit cheaper than hiring someone. Uh, delights and diversions, five uh, fulfilling things to do right now at home so you can do them quickly. There's so many more. Just definitely check out how to have a happier home. <laughs> I am definitely gonna check out the lighting one. I need better lighting in parts of my house. Mm. So that's super helpful. Yeah. I love that. It makes I, a big difference for sure. Mm -hmm. And I will give you a spoiler alert. A lot of the articles, a lot of them mention the same thing and that's declutter, you know, having a clean house. It's not a myth that cleanliness yeah. is next to whatever, but it's true. Mm -hmm. And I do that sometimes. I instantly, I always feel better. For oh, sure. absolutely. But uh, when I don't, yeah, it makes a difference. So that's one thing you can do right now. It's always, and you don't have to like remodel your whole house. I, I listened to this is, I didn't get this from a particular article, but just pick one room in like 10, mm -hmm. 15 minutes, one section of a room, whatever it is, and spend 15 minutes. Listen to a podcast, listen to this podcast, listen yeah. to your other favorite podcast. I agree. You should listen <laughs> to this podcast every day. And then, do a little bit of cleanup. Yeah. You don't feel like you have to tackle everything all at once because some people that's really overwhelming for me. It is. Oh, for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to do that with some success, yeah. I will say. Well, yes. Good. Yes. Good. It's a little bit better every day. So. Good. All right. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. I'm definitely going to be using some of those tips. Well, cool. All right. My first cool, I mean, my second, well, where are we? Are we already? <laughs> my second cool sheet. I am going to be talking about something that has to do with sustainability. And this has to do with the Olympics Games, which recently finished. And uh, they're the 2020 Olympic Games, but held in 2021, of course. And while it was a phenomenal display of human achievements, there were three unsung heroes that broke all records in an unprecedented event that you have possibly not heard about. And those three heroes are the medals themselves. For the first time in Olympic history, all of the medals, the gold, the silver, and the bronze were created from 100% recycled metal. All right, sourcing materials and extracting gold, silver, copper, and zinc is not trivial. And so this project had to start in April 2017 to give enough lead time for it. By the way, bronze is made from copper and zinc, if you're wondering why those two were in there. While copper is a precious metal, it does turn green, and so the zinc prevents that. All right, so this endeavor, it required gathering enough used and unwanted electronic devices to extract enough metal to create 5,000 Olympic medals. Okay, notice I keep saying the word metal and metal, all right? So two separate things. Uh, let me give you an example of what this meant to get those 5,000 medals going. The gold medals were 550 grams of silver inside with just six grams of gold that's plated on the outside. So for just the gold, for just one gold medal, that has about a quarter of a gram of or a quarter of an ounce of gold on the surface. Over 200 smartphones were needed. It's worth mentioning that this is not the first time recycled metal was used in 2016 in Rio. The silver medals were cast from about 30% recycled silver, but for Tokyo Olympics, they wanted to go all out and they did a magnificent job. So sustainability in the Olympics. 
Whoa, that is an unsung hero. That is really, really cool. And I'm so glad that they did that. I had no idea. So I'm really glad. Mm -hmm. I learned a whole bunch of things. I learned that bronze medals aren't bronze or not. Like bronze. Is there any bronze in it? Well, bronze bronze is is an alloy. It's a mixture of copper and zinc. Got you. See, I didn't even know that. I thought bronze was just a bronze thing. Bonus cool sheets. Yeah, cool. Um, And yeah, I had no idea that they were a recycled material, 100%. So cool. Gold medal for those metal people. I know, I know. I didn't know that either, I don't think. I'm sure I was probably saying metal every time. I don't know. Well, in English, I mean, in American English, we say metal and metal. Right. (laughs) And metal for meddling. Yeah, and then uh, heavy so metal, metal and heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's super interesting. Welcome. I had to sneak in a little bit of chemistry there. Yeah, I love it when you do that. Cool. All right, my next cool sheet. I am going to be talking about a human slash filmmaker, and this is, uh, I can't believe I haven't talked about it, one of my biggest influences and favorite filmmakers, Robert Rodriguez. He's an American filmmaker and visual effects supervisor. He shoots, edits, produces, and many times scores his own films. In 1992, he made El Mariachi for $7,000 only. It grossed $2.6 million. So he became pretty much an instant. And the movie was good also, especially for the budget of $7,000. He kind of became a phenomenon because of this. Uh, It was the same year. They were both at Sundance in 92. He met Quentin Tarantino. Uh, They became really good friends. They collaborated on various projects and films together. Uh, Other movies that he's done, Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, From Dust Till Dawn, Sin City, Part 1 and Part 2, Spy Kids. I don't know how many there are, but there's more than one. Uh, Machete, uh, Alita Battle Angel. He also directed one episode of the second season of Mandalorian and it was a really good episode as well Um, he's just known he's known for making these huge big budget movies with way less money than most people even like big budget movies that he's hired on he can do it for a fraction of the price so he has plus the fact that he edits and scores and does all these other things he is so he will never not have a job because he can always do it for super cheap and they're still really good plus he's just a fun cool person you really get to know him because he also wrote a book and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to be a filmmaker and got into this business is because I read the book uh, Rebel Without a Crew and it changed my life. Uh, it was also because of Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, and then two years later, Kevin Smith. There was like these, the holy trinity of independent filmmakers where just the average Joe could make a film. And it really empowered me, especially after reading this book, that anyone could do it. And that's how I got into the business. I now do corporate video just as my full-time job, just in case you know. So it's similar. It's not quite feature films, but it's very close and a lot of the same stuff. He also has a really cool 10 minute film school which i'll have links to in our show notes and the 10 minute cooking school which i still use his breakfast taco recipe to this day uh i've met him at sundance once but i don't have time definitely check out if you're not familiar robert rodriguez i had no idea i thought he was just a director and that oh was whoa no yeah idea. no he does everything Pretty you, much everything. You lent that book to my son. Oh, does he still have it or do I have I it back think, yet? I think he might still have it. <gasps> that's Dean, funny. Give that back to Brian. Before <laughs> that's right. You I'm go on to my book. School. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I, I know. I'm just blown away. I, yeah. I can't even believe it. 
He's super cool. And now I said I met him at Sundance. I didn't really get to meet him. He was pretty busy. I think it was mm-hmm. uh, El Marachi's uh, 20th anniversary oh, or wow. maybe 15. Um, now that I'm thinking about timing, but uh, so he was pretty busy, but he was at our theater. I think I said hello. That was it. I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to fanboy too much. And I probably one of the only times I actually got nervous <laughs> to talk to somebody. Oh, wow. That's um, cool. But super cool guy. He's always been really cool. And he's just one of those guys that gives a lot of free information, too, as well. And really kind of demystifies the process mm-hmm. of filmmaking. And it's like, hey, anybody can do this. You do have to stick with it. It's hard work. But you can do it. And you can do it for super low budgets, especially now that everything digital uh super cool yeah. oh yeah. yeah no it sounds like he's the king of low budget yeah yeah and 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 i love the fact that that he's done bigger projects but he hasn't just he's like that isn't an excuse to use more money because you have it in fact that can make your movie worse when you ha- don't have a lot of money you have to get super creative scrappy yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so i love that i love everything about his his philosophy in filmmaking Woo! I love it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I you're learned welcome. more about Robert Rodriguez. Yay! Yay. <laughs> oh, I haven't mentioned our show notes. So if you oh, want yeah. to check out our show notes, go to tenbestes.com slash fan cut. So uh, due to the first cool sheet that I did, but it's one zero bestes.com slash fan cut. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to my third cool sheet. I'm going to be talking about a website and it also is an app. If you don't have a, um, a light phone that doesn't have apps on it. Uh, so this website is called happy cow and happy cow is a resource for vegans, for vegetarians, and for people who have friends and family who eat plant-based foods. So this is similar to Yelp or any other internet review modality in that users are posting reviews of restaurants and what's on the menu so that others can look up the restaurants in any region. However, it is different from the usual way of reviewing because it's not just about the quality of the food and the service, although that is of course included. Happy Cow includes reviews, ratings, and specific information about the restaurants in terms of their offerings and their knowledge and friendliness towards plant-based cuisine. So vegan and vegetarians find it very helpful when traveling to new places. And here are the kinds of things that can appear on reviews that's different from restaurant reviews that most of us are more used to. Users of Happy Cow review whether or not the servers know what vegan means, if there are vegan or vegetarian options available on the menu, if the servers make a mistake on the order out of neglect or out of lack of awareness. Happy Cow comes in handy when there are groups of people who are vegan and non-vegan so that everyone can find a good restaurant that offers something for everyone in the group. So even if you're not vegan, this could be a really helpful resource. It could be a high quality, if we think of a restaurant, it could be really high quality, it could have excellent staff, excellent food, but if they have zero vegan options, it's not going to rate highly on Happy Cow, so you can know that way. And there is a filter when you go into the website or the app where you say, I want an all vegan restaurant, or if it being vegetarian is okay. In terms of the reviews, I wanted to say one last thing is that it has a usual five-star scale, but four is the maximum rating it can get if it does serve meat. Happy cow. Whoa, happy cow. I I feel like, now I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian even, uh, I dabble, 
<laughs> but I'm not. I feel like I have heard from some of my vegan friends about this app. I think. I think actually, that friend does. My friend that I'm thinking of immediately, Dave, doesn't have a smartphone. So he would love the. Well, I don't even know if he'd even want the light phone. He has, he has a flip phone. Like he's oh, so old yeah, school. Yeah. Uh huh. But I think he's talked about the website before. It sounds so familiar. Uh, but yeah, thank goodness this is around. Uh, oh seems yeah. Seems so helpful. Yeah, and I'm not vegan or a vegetarian either, but I have a lot of friends who yes, are. Yes, exactly. And a lot of family members who are. And I love the idea of eating together. And and sometimes I feel bad when I see them looking at the menu and they're just kind of look and looking and there's not much there. Yeah, so. it's like one token salad yeah. or something. Or sides, or they just order sides. Yeah, yeah, no, and it is important because these are friends and family that are important to us and we need to have them, you know, have just as so much enjoyment yeah. going and, out and eating mm-hmm. the food. I mean, I know when I go out, I get super excited about the food because there's always something for me. I like everything. Literally, I like everything. <laughs> it's true. It's like, it's <laughs> wild. Uh, there's like one thing I can think of, and that's something that isn't even common in the United States. <laughs> It'd be like those big giant fried spiders, uh, oh, like right. Vimini street food <laughs> or something like that. That would be the one thing I probably wouldn't go for. But Almost anything else. Uh, you know, almost the YouTubers are now going to comment with all these, what about this? No, nah, you're right. What about <laughs> Yeah, but but there's a lot. It's it's more things I like than not. But yeah. yeah, so I'm easy. I'm an easy target for any restaurant. But for my vegan friends, my vegetarians, and yeah, and it makes me feel bad because I, you can just, you kind of see it in their eye. And they're, <laughs> my vegan and vegetarian friends are always very, very cool. They never cause like like this place sucks or what you know. They're usually very passive and very copacetic and just like well, I'll make the best out of it, you know. But to have this kind of app and have something available for them to get excited about where to go, where oh for to go. sure. In a new city, if you're visiting and you don't know, yeah. that's super helpful. Oh, I love all of it. Yeah, and I'm down for going to a full re- vegan restaurant, oh, even though yeah. I'm not vegan, because they make delicious food. I, I mean, that's what I my experience has been. Absolutely. They utilize spice and flavor and fresh ingredients because, yeah, you know, if that's what they're doing only, they it's usually top notch. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah. We have a vegan restaurant here in town that's excellent. Totally does that. Shout out to Infinity Room. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. My pleasure. All right. My next cool sheet. I'm going to be talking about a TikTok account, (laughs) another one of these. And uh, I don't know if this person has any other, I'm sure they have other outlets now, but I first heard them on TikTok and it's your pal Austin is his name. Uh, His name is Austin Archer. Uh, So he's a TikTok star. He has almost 700,000 followers at time of recording 13.1 13.1 million likes. Uh, so he kind of has this Bo uh, Burnham vibe, which is a form of cool sheet. I talked about one, episode 199 about his movie Inside. So he does these things. He kind of trolls. He talks about social issues, um, and he makes them into songs. So I will say that, you know, 60 to 70% of the United States is really going to like him, and then there's going to be another percentage that might not like him as well because he, he kind of leans on a certain uh, left or right spectrum. Uh, but the fact that he makes them in a song. So it's one thing just to troll people to get angry or argue or even just talk about facts and science and things like that are important. But the fact that he just uh, 
does them in songs makes it so much more funny. And uh, he, in fact, he just released an album a few days ago, a time of recording. So some of his songs include Congratulations, Vaxxed, Nobody Cool Likes Tucker Carlson, and America Sucks, S-U-X. So you probably now know where he leans. But I love his 70s vibe, his clothes. He wears these brown leather jackets, kind of old school. And he has the most epic mustache. (laughs) It's kind of awful and kind of awesome. Uh, But the songs, uh, I'm going to link a couple of my favorite ones. And I know that some of these are going to be triggering like America Sucks. But trust me, just listen to it. There are going to be people that hate it and people a lot of people that are gonna love it because it's a it sucks because of you is kind of the next tagline and all of his other songs are so good definitely check out your pal austin i've never heard of your pal austin but i already love him oh my gosh (laughs) i can't wait the the one song like congratulations so Mm. he'll take a video like you know if you know tiktok um you know, they'll take a clip from someone else and they'll duet it or whatever it's called exactly. But uh, so this was somebody that was like, he basically is like, I'm not going to, uh, gosh, I don't even know because it was so wild to me. It's one of those things that I just can't even relate to, but he wasn't going to, uh, gen- it was something about gender identity for a, uh, someone he dates. He's not going to conform or whatever. And the guy was just like, congratulations, you're the biggest idiot in the world because if it's a her, that's gender identity, you know, but he just made this song. He's just like, congratulations, you're the biggest idiot on the internet. And that's pretty hard to do because there's a lot of idiots on the internet, but you're number one somehow. <laughs> and of course he does it a million times better than me because he's got the mustache and he's got the seventies <laughs> clothes and he's got an actual song and a voice and all this stuff. It's kind of auto-tuned, but it, that's why it's also magnificent. When you're going to troll, you need an auto-tune it. Oh man. It's just everything about it is so hilarious. I love that he's just trolling these people with songs and he kind of like, he'll just watch it. So you get his reaction and he's like, okay I gotta do it again he'll like take off his glasses and like stand up and he's got these like really obnoxious like flashing colored lights and just starts doing this little congratulations congratulations I don't know I can't do it justice you just gotta check it out yes I will definitely <laughs> you'll love TikTok, it TikTok yeah. and I, I TikTok has grown on me yeah that's I think good. I think partially because I got on it and that yeah. was posting so that helps a little bit but. yeah and I haven't gotten sucked into too not deep. Too deep, not like Brian Hart deep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'd be hard to do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, cool. Thanks. I maybe I will follow one more person. Hey, maybe I follow. At least check out. I a follow forty of them. people right now. Wow. So maybe there'll be forty-one. I wonder how many I follow. It would be <laughs> funny if you actually follow more people than I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> After the show, we'll see. Put in the comments, who do you think has more people following? Or <laughs> not following, because I have no people following me. But how many do you follow? Ooh, That's guess, what I want to Guess how know. many followers I hit uh, oh. yesterday? How many? 10,000. Whoa! Yep. I think I have 10. Woo-hoo. So we know who won that battle. <laughs> wow, congratulations. That's Thank super cool. Thank you. Thank you. Huh. I, I doubled it in just this past week. Dang, yeah. You had another one that going a little viral. A little, little, little viral. A little yeah. bit viral. Not quite millions, yeah. but 
It's yeah. a quarter of a million, so. It's pretty good. It's on its way. It's more than any of mine, because <sighs> I don't have any. So I got zero. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, zero, zero. TikToks. I'm perfect. Zero. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're batting. I don't even know how to talk about baseball, yeah. so I won't even say that. All right. But I'm going to move on to my next cool sheet. This is a movie. This is the movie that I just saw. It's the first movie I saw in the theaters in about 18 months, Summer of Soul. It has also an alternative name or when the revolution could not be televised. Did you know that during the same summer of Woodstock in 1969, another huge festival was going on that was just as culturally important? I didn't. So unless you've seen the movie Summer of Soul, you might not. And this documentary was just recently created using the footage straight from the Harlem Cultural Festival. It was captured in high quality audio, high quality video, but it was never released for 50 years. This festival ran for several weeks throughout the summer of 1969 in Harlem, and it featured iconic black artists of that era, such as Gladys Knight and the Pips, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, The Fifth Dimension, B.B. King, the list goes on. So here's the question. Why did this festival go completely unnoticed and ignored for 50 years? It wasn't for lack of trying. The producers tried to market it, but Woodstock was so popular that no one took notice of it. They even tried calling it the Black Woodstock, but that didn't work either. Finally, now, the footage was used in this beautiful film that not only highlighted the incredible music that emerged that summer in a park in Harlem, but everything that it symbolized in its place in history. Along with the music, it weaves in history, parallel events, political issues, cultural highlights, and is issues of race that are just as relevant today as they were then. It also reminds us of the diversity of Harlem. There are many vignettes that are also educational for many of us, such as the origin of the word black being used instead of Negro, when that started, how it started, when it appeared in newspapers, all of this, it is absolutely amazing. I give it two thumbs up. Summer of Soul. Oh, I already give it two thumbs up. I want to see this so bad. Mm. I think it was an audience and juror winner at Sundance on the kind of online version oh, of Sundance this you year. Have to. Um, and uh, oh, the director. Do you remember who it is? It's a famous yes, musician as a well. Famous musician. Blanking uh, on the name. I'll put it on YouTube. Uh, you'll see yes, the name popping yes, up right yes. here, uh, right now, but I can't think of it. Darn it. Sorry about that. I know. Good son, sir. Thank goodness that this yeah. movie has been made. It's such perfect timing. Uh, I'm glad you got to see it. I'm so jealous. That was the one. Whoa, it was what not, a good one to see. It was. It was. No, it was in a small theater and not very many people were in there. It was me and my kids and there were maybe like two other people, mm. which was great from a COVID standpoint, but sure. but you didn't get the, you know. That shared experience. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Magic. Because yeah, this one would be really fun to see with a full theater of super excited people. Oh, and if people uh, knew, you know, so I saw Gladys Knight and the Pips up there and I just remember her and them when they were older and when they had already made it were super hugely famous older mm. and then and there she was like so young and ah it was just it was amazing and Stevie Wonder was only 19 wow and he ah 
Ah, uh, I can't you wait. You gotta see it. You so, gotta see it. So it's in theaters. I wonder if it's it streaming because some of them are hybrid, right? I wonder I, if it's streaming sure. now too. But we'll check it out. I'll check out the show I notes. If not, I'm gonna get out in the theater and see it. Yes, yes, so dude. Good. Oh must. my gosh! Thank you so much. My pleasure. Extra pleasure. Ah, it's so good. Great. Can you tell? Yes. Okay, my next cool sheet, my last cool sheet, is actually a movie as well, quite different than yours. Uh, and this is called The Last Blockbuster. So this movie did hit me on a lot of nostalgic uh, parts of my heart. So this is a documentary on the last remaining blockbuster video, which is actually located in Bend, Oregon. We're here in Salem, Oregon, so that kind of makes it extra cool, the fact that it's in Oregon, the last one on Earth. Uh, In episode 121, Jim Vu talked about the last blockbuster specifically, but I want to talk about this movie because it came out way after he talked about it. Uh, Jim, you missed the boat there on that one. You should have uh, made a documentary about it. But this one was directed by Taylor Morden, Um, It stars Sandy Harding, who is the manager of the last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. So she's in it a lot. Actually, Kevin Smith, Brian uh, Potion, uh, um, and Ron Funches. So uh, different comedians are in it. Lloyd uh, Kaufman, a filmmaker. Tons of cameos about people. And like I said, it's just so nostalgic. And again, it's cooler because it's in Bend, Oregon. Um, But it it talks about how... um, hard it was kind of the process as there's like oh there's three blockbusters left now there's two now there's just this one and how hard it is for them to actually survive because of franchise rights and essentially the company doesn't exist anymore but there is a subsidiary that does and every few years or whatever they have to decide if they're going to let them do it again so there's this they're actually like negotiating on the phone during the movie but the the memories of going to the video store, especially VHSs and DVDs as well, but that that click, you know, that sound of when you open the, 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 the plastic case, the smell of the store, again, that shared excitement of watching, uh, picking out movies with strangers, talking to the people that work there, sharing your favorite movies. Um, I really do miss that. And they say it's not because of Netflix, but I don't know. It is ironic that I watched it on Netflix. That's where it debuted. It's very funny, but definitely check out The Last Blockbuster. <laughs> Oh, those memories. It's another one of those things that, you know, I didn't really appreciate at the time. No, definitely And then all of a sudden it was gone. And then now I can't wait. I told Murray, who listens, friend of the show, he listens to us all the time, that we're going to go to, because I haven't been there to the one in Bend since since it's the last one standing. And I want to do like a day trip or maybe even stay the night with some friends, rent some movies. Oh, Oh, it would be so much fun. It needs to happen. Murray, we got to make that happen. Uh, But yeah, I just, yeah all that nostalgia that again and it was another movie that kind of surprisingly got me emotional Mm. you know I don't know if I got teary or choked up but definitely these emotions that that flooded with me I actually I did work at a video store so I worked at American Family Video here in town Mm -hmm. and again another part of that was because of Quentin Tarantino that's how he started and I wanted to follow in his footsteps Mm. also because I love movie and then you get free movies and what's better than that um, so I even worked at a video store for a long, for a while, actually not that long. I kind of got let go, maybe fired because I was more about talking about movies than probably doing mm, what I was supposed to be doing. Tell us more about this, but uh, that's for another. Uh, I still <laughs> have my VHS player oh, hooked up nice. to a TV. 
a TV, wow. a big, heavy, actual TV, um, but it's hidden in a cabinet, and then I have like my smart TV on top of it. So in an emergency, <laughs> when I have it. a VHS, yes, you're it. ready. That's cool because yeah, there you get hard to even buy VHS anymore these days. We've tried oh, to yeah. do it for work, mm-hmm. and it's not as easy as you would think. Yeah, <laughs> but I do still have some VHS tapes sure. left over. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, old school. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if I knew that existed. I knew that there was the last blockbuster, but yeah, so they made a doc about it, and it's really good. It's not like the movie itself, from a critical standpoint, isn't like the best made documentary in the world. But the nostalgia puts it over the edge, and all these people talking about their experience and what it meant to them, and uh, that part is definitely worth it. And I kind of, I keep coming back to it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I need it. First of all, I need to go since it's just you know, people travel around the world though to come see the last. Oh, cool! Which is really cool. It's turned into this like tourist thing. People vlog and put it on YouTube yeah. and talk about their oh, experience. I bet it's there. like part of road trips, oh, like a stop, I'm like sure. Wall Drug and yeah. Yosemite and Well done, Ben. The last, to, yeah, to last blockbuster. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. And that leads me into my last cool sheet. This is a video. It's a YouTube video. And it is about the golden ratio in art and nature. Artist Tess Davidson has a YouTube channel called Davidson Art Online, where she runs a series called Art 101 Art Appreciation. And this particular video I'm going to be talking about is about something called the golden ratio and how mind-blowing it is. Test starts out with the basis for the golden ratio, which is based on something in mathematics called the Fibonacci sequence that predicts a ratio of 1 to 1.6. She does a great job explaining the origin of the ratio from a very basic point of view where you don't need to know a lot of math and she doesn't go in super deep. She, She gives you just enough information so that you can then appreciate what she talks about and how this ratio shows up in a mind-blowing number of places. The golden ratio appears on the molecular scale in DNA. It appears all over the place in biology, flowers, fruits, seashells. It also shows up in human bodies. The ratio of our hands, if you look at the length of our hand, in respect to our fingers is around 1 to 1.6. It shows up in storms like hurricanes and tornadoes. It shows up in outer space the way some galaxies have a spiral. It is everywhere. It also seems to have this pleasing effect to the human eye because it also shows up everywhere in art and in architecture. Her video does a wonderful job of overlaying golden rectangles that are based on the golden ratio that are created and she lays them over different plants, fruits, paintings, photographs, buildings, etc., so that you can appreciate and also get blown away by the golden ratio in art and nature. Whoa, okay, this is super cool. So I've known about the golden ratio for a while now, mm-hmm. and I've always been fascinated with it. I don't know if I saw this video, but I, I can't wait to check it out. Uh, and then I read or saw something that was like, oh, yeah, that's just one of those coincidental things, and it's just 
oh. like they explained the, uh. like that we see what we want and i hope that's not true because the golden ratio is way more fun and interesting yes. and it, it it she shows so many examples and she also she gives props to the places where yeah. she pulls from yeah and there are so many different examples uh, you heard me talk about yeah. them oh yeah i've seen similar ones I mean, everything's a coincidence or on purpose, you know. I don't know. You can go. There's definitely, like, different camps of thought. I don't yeah. know. It's probably the same people that think that free will doesn't exist. And right. they also, the well, golden ratio doesn't. It's just you, whatever. I don't know. You know what? But and let's just I love say. It. I love talking about it, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, and let's just say it's a coincidence. It's a mind. It's still mind blowing. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's even more mind blowing that it's a coincidence in right. all these different things. So. Well, and it kind of is like it's a coincidence, but a very yeah, a very common one that is mm-hmm. turned into something not a coincidence. I don't know. Yeah, it's super cool. I can't wait to see this video because it's been a while since I've seen one that really shows examples well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't wait to yeah, check that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, so the way plants grow and then they they are following this. Rule, it gives them more sunlight that way. Oh, wow. So it makes sense that they do that so that they grow better. It's wild. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like now, oh. see, the nature part totally makes sense to me. But did someone, the part that really kind of blows me away is that like architecture and things that we've done, because mm-hmm. I can't imagine that they knew that math back then quite exactly but they knew it was pleasing to the eye there was something about it that made it happen and then it just happened to be that golden ratio like that part really blows me away it makes sense that nature would conform to to sustain life mm-hmm. but the fact that we've done it also so nature and man mm-hmm. uh, that kind of that's where i'm like whoa there's something that, like really amazing happening here. yes it's so, so cool. a, a previous cool sheet donald duck in math magic land <laughs> it does talk about the golden ratio and the rectangles it is talks this about where a- i learned about it, no, it might be. It's, uh, it's my favorite kid movie. Like when the teachers were going to put on a movie, I'm like, oh, I hope it's Donald Duck in Magic Land. And, uh, and they talk about that along with a bunch of other things. Yeah. And yeah, it shows up in Greek architecture. And, and there is a lot of geometry and Euclidean math and things that are from ancient Greek times. I don't know so, what that is, but it sounds cool. Yeah, I, I just had to throw that out. That sounds smart. <laughs> Euclidean. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Anyway, for you. Um, it's good. <laughs> it, no, this is lovely. I mean, and this is just the perfect look at this math, art, nature, science. But not too much math, because that was very important to me. Math. Yes. When you said that, I was like, yes. okay, now I can probably watch this. Yes. Yes, because <laughs> I, you know, I watched this video and then I watched a bunch of others as well. And they just Maybe had a lot a more to dive deeper to oh, just okay. get, yeah, yeah, I like to that. bolster my background on it. Yeah. Um, and a, all of them had way more math. Uh, so yeah. she, I want this one. And I, I got to say, I love her. She, cool. she's, she's just, she's excited. She's excited about math ma- or not. Well, she's excited about math, but she's excited about art and she's excited about sharing everything she knows. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. All right. And thanks everybody for tuning in and for all the people watching us on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us, do all the things, smash that like button. I think that's what the kids say. <laughs> uh, all that's super, it is super important to us. It helps us get the word out and grow our channel even more and keep doing this. So we do really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the show notes. 
10bestest.com slash fancut and stay curious. Want to learn more about this week's cool sheets? Head on over to 10bestest, that's 10bestest.com for links to all of our cool sheets. And sign up for our monthly newsletter with bonus cool sheets and other fun stuff. 10 Bestest will be back with an all new episode next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern.